welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. This is a special episode of The Trusted Advisor, a COVID-19 crisis community roundtable of VARs, ISVs, vendors, distributors, and other solution providers serving the retail, restaurant, and grocery markets. The goal of this roundtable is to give those solution providers an opportunity to share ideas on strategies and tactics for best dealing with this crisis, and so to give them an opportunity to listen to each other and also give you the chance to learn from them as well. So this is going to be an open forum and information sharing discussion detailing how solution providers are navigating the crisis. Uh, and please note the views and opinions expressed during this roundtable are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the RSPA. Also, we've asked everybody on today's call to avoid sales pitches and to identify themselves when they speak for the benefit of our listeners. So this is roundtable number two. Uh, it's Thursday, March 26th. Uh, we also recorded a roundtable yesterday as well, uh, but we had such good response and we wanted to give as many folks the opportunity to share their ideas. Okay, uh, and so before we get going, I just want to give a quick thanks to our sponsors. Uh, they are the folks who make this podcast uh, possible. Uh, we thank Blue Star, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4 Payments. They are the 2020 Platinum sponsors for the RSPA. And before we get to the heart of our discussion, uh, where we're going to have everybody contribute, I just want to take a, a couple minutes here to share some RSPA resources designed to help solution providers during this crisis. Uh, first, the RSPA provides its members with unlimited phone uh, and email consultations with the RSPA legal counsels, Bob Goldberg and Jill Miller. Uh, they also have access to legal templates and opportunities to have contract reviews. But really during this crisis, uh, reaching out to uh, Bob and Jill to have those email conversations to uh, get on the phone with them and bounce specific things off your business uh, has really been helpful. So uh, I know Bob has told me he's had some 18-hour days for the past week fielding all those phone calls and emails. And to get a hold of Bob, you can email him at bob.goldberg at sfnr.com. That's B-O-B dot G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G at sfnr.com. Or uh, if you need more information, you can just email membership at GoRSPA.org. Again, this is a, an opportunity to talk with industry experts uh, for no charge if you're an RSPA member. Another service is through an initiative with National Provider Group Management Services, also known as GMS. RSPA members can receive preferred rates on a variety of HR services, including access to employee benefits, most notably healthcare insurance. And so RSPA members receive preferred rates on an administrative fee that includes HR services such as employer risk management, federal, state, and local HR law compliance assistance, employee performance management, payroll, employee benefits administration, and more. And especially during this crisis, you need some HR experts to turn to. And as it says on the GMS website, do what you do best and outsource your HR to GMS. Again, if you want more information on that or you're an RSPA member, you want to connect with GMS, just email membership at gorspa.org. That's really the key to unlocking uh, all the RSPA services. Uh, also, the RSPA has created some specific services for the COVID-19 crisis. You can find those at gorspa.org forward slash crisis hyphen resources. Um, and you will, uh, what you'll find on there is uh, several resources. So there's a webinar that was recorded uh, with uh, legal counsel Bob Goldberg and also RSP chairperson Chelsea Paulson, who is the HR director at VAR North Country uh, Business Systems. Uh, so you have that recording on there talking about how to communicate during this crisis. Uh, we've also published, I think it's seven blog posts uh, at this point, a lot of feedback from the community. Uh, we just launched uh, IQ, uh, on the community IQ section uh, from Paula Duke, the chairperson of the RSPA Canadian Committee, guidelines for Canadians and where they can get resources uh, during this crisis. So again, it's channel-focused ideas and best practices for this crisis. The community has been very generous. Take advantage uh, of those opportunities. Um, also, what the RSPA just launched is uh, a program called RSPA Restaurant Rescue. And so we believe that online ordering is going to be vital to really sustain the restaurant industry 
in the near term during this pandemic. And so the Restaurant Rescue is a list of member companies with digital ordering initiatives and related technologies that can help VARs and ISVs provide solutions quickly to merchants in need because really time is of the essence. So for those folks who are uh, logging in right now or, or watching on our YouTube channel, uh, you can see a screen grab right here. There's about 40 member companies uh, that we have listed there. And again, many of the products that are listed are being offered at a significant discount for, uh, for limited time to assist restaurants in distress. So again, the RSP community is here to help give you guidance and also here to help you uh, move forward as well. All right, um, before we begin our roundtable discussion, I'd like to welcome RSPA President and CEO John Kirk to share a word uh, with everybody. Uh, John, welcome. Thank you, Jim. And you did a great job of recapping what we've been busy uh, doing over the last week or so uh, for our members. And I, I just want to make sure you guys know what, what, our, what our guide is and, and what we are using as a filter. We, we, we want to drive quality over quantity and anything we deliver to you during these unprecedented times. We know that you're going through a tremendous storm, and we want to be a rallying point for you. And when we have events like this, it's because we think we can help. And we're, we really have two goals today. And by the way, our entire team is on this call to listen in. And those two goals are to first listen and, and hear from you what you need and where you think we might be able to help you do more of what we're doing or do some different things that could help you. Uh, and then we want to operationalize those things so that we can make a difference. We will do anything we can do to assist you during these times, and we will be putting our heads together uh, to come up with ways to be creative and make an impact for you and help you. Uh, we've been a rallying point for you during the best of times. We're going to be a rallying point for you now as we fly through this storm together. Now, one point on the res restaurant rescue and an example of where we can do things we've never done before that might be vital to you and vital to your customers. Uh, if you're one of those VARs that have started to align yourself with one of these 40 vendors or so that have a great product to quickly mobilize a solution for takeout and delivery, uh, we are standing ready, if you are willing, to give us your customer list, prospect list, base list, we will provide market air cover for you uh, as best we can just for you, just for your customers so that they know the great work you're doing. They know that you're mobilizing a new solution that can help them keep their doors open. We, that's a creative way that we can make an impact. Uh, I've been told by some folks that, you know, folks won't be willing to give us a list. Well, these are unprecedented times. And if you give us that list, we're going to use it for you. We are here to help you. And I know that you can trust the RSPA to do that. And I have a pretty good sense that you believe that as well. So just know, guys, we can break the mold. We can do what's necessary to bring value in new ways for you because you are what matters here. We're going to get through this situation, and the reason we're going to get through it is because of this community. There's no other community like the RSPA, and we are going to stay together. So with that, Jim, I'm going to turn it back over to you, and uh, let's look forward to taking a step forward together as we leverage the, the joint perspective of the, the combined perspective of this community and uh, move forward together. Thank you for being here, and Jim, take it away. Great. Thank you, John. And if I could ask before we get moving, uh, it looks like somebody named Kevin has uh, his webcam on. If you can just disable that, uh, and that way we want to make sure that doesn't show up uh, in our uh, recording. So I uh, appreciate that. So uh, thank you very much, John. Uh, appreciate uh, you sharing that perspective. All right. So we have, uh, it looks like nearly 40 individuals uh, on this call today. So uh, let's uh, dive into it. Uh, first, we want to review the topics that we want to discuss today. We won't get to all of these, uh, and we're happy to start wherever the, the group would like. So we put these into five buckets. So first, what actions are you taking with your merchants? And one of those subcategories would be uh, executing emergency online ordering implementation. So what merchant initiatives are you taking? Also, what actions are you taking to shore up your business? We've talked with folks about how they're cutting expenses, um, how they're adjusting their supply chain. We'd love to learn what you're doing there. Uh, also, what actions are you taking with your employees uh, from a communication standpoint and, and other things like that? Also, what resources have been most helpful during this crisis and what additional informational resources do you need uh, at this point? Um, 
All right, and so now I am turning it over to the group. Again, if you can uh, just unmute yourself, uh, and then I will play the role of air traffic controller. Again, anything that you have, a question, idea, or a comment, happy to start wherever the group uh, would like. So who would be brave enough to break the ice during the roundtable today? I can certainly do that, Jim. Um, I know that I've been, this Bob Bauer with BMC in uh, Lansing, Michigan. And uh, our, first, our first communication uh, with our employees was uh, the 14th of March. Uh, we started to get questions into that week if we were going to remain open. Uh, we do a lot of business uh, in the grocery space uh, as well as hospitality and retail. And uh, the Michigan governor has really been pretty proactive on shutting down our state to control the virus with the stay in place order that we're under right now through the 13th of April. But we're seeing in our grocery business uh, that they are doing uh, two to six X factors on their business right now. So while, while the restaurant business struggles, uh, the grocery business, it's Thanksgiving every day. And uh, so that's created uh, issues for, you know, how do you balance the safety of your employees with taking care of your customers? Uh, and I've copied you on all those communications. Uh, and what we've done this last week, as the cases in Michigan have continued to grow, um, we have have a statistical spreadsheet basically for each of our territories where we offer on-site service. And we have uh, eliminated now five counties in Michigan where we are providing on-site service. Uh, they are depot only uh, because when you run the statistics program, the odds are greater than one in 100 of an exposure to someone with a virus while you're on-site. So, We've gone to daily communications with our people this week, uh, and we had uh, four emails prior to this week. So that, that's what we've been doing. Thank you, and Bob, if I can ask you a couple uh, follow-up questions on that. So first, talk about diversifying your portfolio where you're not just in restaurants, you're not just in grocery. Was that a plan from a long time ago to say, hey, let's make sure we're in different markets in case one goes up, one goes down, or is that just like, whew, I'm just looking back fortunate uh, that we're in those, because that's what it seems like the spot that you're in is better than folks who have, you know, uh, been dedicated only to one vertical. I guess if you can talk about that first. So, uh, I mean, as you know, we're a very old organization. We were established in 58. Uh, so we've been around over 60 years. I've been with the company for 41. And we have always been in every vertical market. And typically, when you take our business on a five-year life cycle, it almost is split equally a third, a third, and a third. Now, it never works out that way in a given year, but over a five-year window, it always kind of equals out. And uh, that, that's worked very well for us, really through all the, all the down times in my career here, because very rarely is every segment uh, down on business. So that's really been a strategy for my entire career here. Got it. And then talk about, uh, you know, I've been talking with resellers about communicating uh, and ISVs as well. And you're going to that daily communication. It really seems like the frequency is very important because things are, are changing. Can you give us a little bit behind the scenes of how are you putting together that communication? How are you gathering the data? Who's in charge of that? How are you uh, uh, communicating with your team? Because you've got folks all around the country. So we use, uh, Google did a good job of putting together a single website that allows you to then um, select any state and go into that state. So let's just talk about Michigan because it's, it's, it's the easiest. If you go to the state of Michigan website, they update each day by county in Michigan, uh, every case uh, that has been confirmed and they update the death count in the counties each day. So at 2 p.m., that is posted. Uh, so sometime between 2 p.m. and 5 p.m., we look at those statistics that are on that website. We update the data in the statistical spreadsheet, and we send an email that's a color-coded map uh, to all of our people that says, based on these latest numbers, 
this is where we are not going to provide field service. We have, we still are old school in the fact that we operate many offices. Uh, we have nine offices in our territory where we do direct service. So we've spared up all of those local offices with parts. So when we're not offering field service, a customer, if they have an immediate need, which many grocery stores do, they can come and get the part from our office. So, it, great. Thank you for those specifics. Very, very helpful. Who wants to add to that? Again, Bob has talked about, you know, kind of how he's uh, servicing his customers, how he's communicating with his employees. Happy to build on that or have somebody uh, bring up something different if they like. Um, hi, this is Ansley Hoke with ScanSource, and one of the things that we have seen in servicing our partners, not only in the various vertical markets, grocery and whatnot, but we've been servicing a lot of our partner community um, on uh, enabling them to have their employees work from home. So we do a lot in the way of educating and pre-sale support. So especially for partners that have been doing more in the retail and grocery space, oftentimes they are looking to us to see what are new and different types of technologies that they can use themselves to help their employees be able to work from home and service their end customers even better. So that's been a really good um, trend and education standpoint that we have been taking in helping the community be able to service their partners even better. Got it. Thank you, uh, Ansley. Can you uh, elaborate on how do you provide that education and then what are the some of the tools that you're exposing some of these companies uh, to at this point? So we are doing a lot more in the way of video and being able to not only have more video snippets, we have an education series on landing pages. Go Remote is um, really an education platform for all of our partners to be able to see what kind of different working from home options there are, um, as well as making sure that we are doing a lot of lot more web seminars and hands-on with our pre-sale tech team and our partners to be able to um, give the information that the partners are needing in that space. And also being able to dive deeper into our product segments as well to make sure that we're um, arming the folks with the right tools needed. Got it. Thank you for that. And I actually just listened to a podcast this morning with the uh, CEO of AT&T talking about how the infrastructure in North America has been set up that all these folks that were working in the office are now from home. And so it's been stress tests, but it's it's been good so far. So great. Thank you for that, Ansley. And we do also have a, reset, uh, a resource page um, that's called scansource.com a backslash COVID response. And that's a good uh, resource for anyone to be able to look and see what different um, uh, engagement points and different education that you, um, especially as small business or large business, can look to see what um, the government and different resources that are out there for anyone. Great, thank you. We will take a look at that. And again, anybody who is uh, uh, on this call or listening to this call and you have a resource, the RSP is building up resources um, that are particular for channel executive organizations. So feel free to send those uh, over to us as well. Appreciate it. Great. Uh, who else would like to weigh in? Hey, Jim, this is Erica Eby. Uh, hey, Erica. Yeah, if you can go first, and then we have somebody labeled ESH, so if they can go second. So Erica first, please. Terrific. Yes, well, I'm head of U.S. channel engagement with Ingenico. So like ScanSource, we um, you know, work some with merchants and end users, but a lot of what we do in our preferred way of going to market is, is with and through channel partners. So a lot of what we're doing is making ourselves available to both the end users that we interact with directly and, and really making ourselves available more to the broader community through, through our channel partners. And in both cases, we're finding that it's really important to follow their lead. We see a wide variety of needs and availability. You know, some need to hunker down and focus on um, certain things right now, and some really are reaching out and needing our help. So we're really following their lead in terms of what they need. The kinds of things that we're fielding a lot of queries about right now are in three areas. First of all, cleaning the payment devices. 
So um, I did post the global guidelines that Ingenico has shared on my LinkedIn page. And we also have a US specific bulletin that I can share with you that names specific brands of um, cleaning products that are EPA recommended to be disinfectants and ones that Ingenico has determined can be used to clean terminals. So that's really important in this time, especially for those, those grocers that, um, that Bob mentioned earlier. And then um, the second query we're getting is about ship dates and order planning. So we're working very closely with our channel partners in particular on that and recommending, of course, you know, early ordering due to, you know, supply chain potential issues going forward. And then the third thing we're getting a lot of queries about are just different types of solutions that are needed more now than ever. The categories we're hearing are mobile, of course, contactless payments and the antimicrobial solutions. So, you know, it's interesting that um, each of these were really already part of that client experience conversation that we've been having as a fintech industry. So I would, it looks to me like those ISVs and VARs that are focused on that client experience and, and doing well there already are really well positioned to help merchants through this crisis. And then as we look further into the horizon about queries that we're getting kind of longer term from, you know, maybe some kind of senior executives at, at larger merchants, um, we're hearing a lot of energy around uh, reviving the conversation around biometrics as a response to the changes in the physical distancing requirements that we're all facing now. Got it. Interesting. Thank you. That if I could follow up on the, the mobile part of it, like how are those getting implemented? Because it's hard enough to do an implementation and for a, a reseller to adopt new technologies uh, and to do it in the middle of a pandemic seems like it would even, uh, and then to do it quickly, seems like it would be very difficult. Is there any insights you're able to provide in terms of how resellers are pivoting quickly? Because it seems like folks need to take action and they need to take action fast. Yeah, that's a great question. And we're so early in this here in the United States. So what we're seeing so far are um, people really just checking to see what's available, right? You know, as we look at especially payments, there are so many players in the ecosystem that have to be aligned and ready to go for that solution to go live quickly. So we're seeing a lot of people reach out to say, okay, here's the point of sale solution I'm using. Here are the acquirers I use. Here are the things I'm integrated to today. What are the mobile solutions that I can use given my environment for either me as a, as a reseller or a solution provider or for this specific merchant that has this specific environment? So, you know, your question kind of alludes to the fact that there really are no silver bullets. It's really a, um, you know, a specific conversation in every case based on that that's um, the ecosystem of solutions that are being used in that environment. Got it, thank you. And this came up in yesterday's roundtable. Lean on your vendors, lean on your distributors for advice and guidance during this. You don't have to go it alone and, and figure things out. Share with them. Uh, you know your customers the best, like Erica said, uh, you know, and following the lead of the resellers. But boy, if the uh, VARs and ISVs can give that those data points to their vendors and distributors, they can they can align it. So. Thank you, Erica. And again, GSH was weighing in. I'm not sure who that is. If you can identify yourself and uh, if you can share your perspective, please. Yes, that is Gene Smith Harrison. <laughs> and, All right. Uh, Hi, Gene. And who are you with, Gene? Oh, if you can identify that, please. I am with uh, Apps for the POS, and I'm representing a product uh, called OneDine. And uh, OneDine is a order pay system that uh, has been very uh, become very popular in the restaurant industry. Uh, I have Ron Crump on the phone with us today, who's the CEO, and I would like for him to explain this opportunity that we're offering, one, to the dealer network, and two, to the restaurant industry that is no cost and no obligation and no commitment. It, it, it's, quite, it's really quite um, ingenious. Uh, it allows a restaurant to turn their parking lot into um, an ordering location, ordering pickup location without the touches of uh, making room for the um, social spacing that we're talking about. So, Ron, if you don't mind, please take over and yeah. tell us how that works. Yeah, and Ron, if you don't mind, if we can just talk about the, the practical application of it, um, you know, because that's what we're hoping to do on this roundtable, talk about, you know, actual implementations. Um, that would be great that folks can take away. So, please. Um, no worries, and, and um, sorry, I, I, I'm sorry if it comes across as a pitch. It's not the intention at all. So let me um, 
uh, let me talk as a business owner first, because maybe that'll help a little bit uh, everybody on the call. You know, um, we're focused mostly on, uh, as a company, we're focused mostly on in dining, right? So our whole tech stack was about how do we, we handle, uh, you know, better table turns, faster payments. So can you imagine last Monday when we started hearing about shutdowns, our whole business model is shut down with it. So technically, you know, what you guys are confronting, our whole industry disappeared in one day. Right, we have literally no services to offer. Um, so what we decided to do as a business is not sit and wait it out or, or lay off employees. We actually doubled down on hours and shifts. We pivoted the product. Uh, we put about 2,000 hours in seven days on converting the technology to try to solve quickly into what's happening to restaurants. So. We did it with no intention of, of, uh, of motives of profit. We're, we're giving it away completely with no terms, no commitments, no gimmicks. We're just giving it away to restaurants to stay in business. We're seeing it as, you know, the, the industry serves us to pays our salaries, it pays our family salaries. Now we have to keep it alive, so it's there for us to sell later too. So we took a nonprofit approach. We took an approach of let's invest the money we have back into the community. Um, and what we end up doing is we took what was at the table technology and created technology that can convert all the empty parking lots to work like a sonic. So using all these empty parking lots where people can pull into stalls and there's a, a instead of a, a menu board with a payment device and all that, we have a sign that you can place in, all, in every spot and people check in with their phone without having to download any app or anything straight to the spot. They're able to do order payment and it's then delivered to the spot. So that's kind of what we end up doing. Um, and uh, we put it out there. We signed uh, in the first four days over a thousand locations that we're rolling out. And <clears throat> the reason I signed so tired is because we've put in 18 to 20 hour days, seven days a week since the crisis started. And um, if we can help your clients, anybody out there, it's really no gimmick here, no, no commitment. We're just trying to help. So. Uh, I appreciate the kind of tee up that Gene did, but the intention here for me at least is if you guys need help to stay connected to your brands, you need help to keep your brands going and, and generating some revenue, uh, let us help. Um, I'm just here offering both advice as a business owner and, and help if you guys need help. Great, thank you. And uh, again, the, the link that we had uh, mentioned earlier, uh, you can get it on gorst.org forward slash covet hyphen resources uh, that's what the uh, restaurant rescue is put uh, uh, is there for an app for the POS uh, is listed on there along with again about 40 other uh, folks you can find who's who's the right fit for your organization so uh, uh, Ram thanks for uh, for joining us today I'm curious if uh, we could have some more resellers uh, weigh in so we started with Bob but I know uh, we have uh, Blake we have Brett um, Hunter Michael Paul uh, those are some of the resellers who are on uh, can any of you uh, jump in and talk about, I guess, uh, you know, engaging with your merchants, uh, maybe some of the creative things that you're doing with them or actions that you're taking with your business that other folks uh, either listening or participating in this roundtable might be able to take advantage of? So uh, it's uh, Paul LeDuc, Jim, uh, from uh, Globe POS. Um, so uh, one of the things that we were uh, kind of pushed into uh, for us was uh, those uh, plexi shields um, that uh, protects the cashier. I still have a somewhat of a doubt that it does that much, but it does protect the cashiers. And we've been, our business became a plexi shield install set in the grocery and some of the retail locations. Um, mm -hmm because we concentrate mostly in retail and grocery, very small portion of the um, hospitality side, uh, we stayed busy, uh, we stayed active, and then our game shift with plexi installs and, and, and shield covers. Um, and we've been installing five, six a day on average. Um, and and that that's been kind of how we shifted some of our business. Um, it does concern me that my guys are, my technicians are pretty busy, even though we provide them the gloves and the face shields for them, and you know all the everything we can come come up with from you know the Purell and the 
um, um, what do they call the Lysol wipes, and it, it does concern me quite a bit that you know my guys are on there and they're exposed almost every day. Um, but uh, that's the only way we've been, you know, able to stay uh, busy on the install side uh, because we do a lot of groceries. Our support side has been, you know, extremely busy. Um, lanes or, or terminals that are normally you just use as backup normally during the weekends have been running 724. Um, so we've seen the same influx in Canada that you've seen in the US. Um, it just, um, and, and you know, we, some of our stores, probably about 30% of our customers are gift shops. And, and so those have closed, reduced that call volume, but it's been replaced by, you know, the retail and, and, and grocery side. Mm -hmm. um, uh, can I ask you a couple uh, follow-ups, Paul? So one is uh, the Shields. Well, first of all, there's a, a local grocery store here. I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania you know, about uh, three three hours or so away uh, from you, they did like their homemade shield. Like somebody put a plexiglass in all this wood. And I'm thinking, well, that's going to fall over on a customer potentially. Can you talk about, were you carrying these shields before? Or is this something that you quickly sourced and acquired them and sold them to these merchants? I guess, can you share that about adding that new product? Well, we, we actually sourced them. We have a, a, a local company that um, uh, um, was creative. We I sat down with them. Uh, some customers came to me. I, I need something to protect my cashiers. Uh, we, uh, I, I went to the manufacturer and he already had something on the go. So we have a few different version of it. How do we attach them? Some are suspended. Uh, if they have lower ceilings and the counters, we can't. If it's standard checkout, we uh, attach them on the checkout and we have two, three, but it is someone local and I source them. No, I did not sell them. Uh, you know, uh, three weeks ago and prior, we would always, you know, put the cashiers in front of the customers, put the, the, the point of sale facing the customer, scale scanners always ergonomically seeing the customer. That, and now we're doing the total opposite. So, no, it's not something that um, uh, we carried or, or ever did before. Got it. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. And so it seems like in this time of need, you're expanding what you're offering. Like we always preach about being a total solution provider and oftentimes think that's going to advance into some new technologies, but this is kind of an older thing, but it's, it's necessary uh, because the, the cashiers are at risk, no doubt about it. Oh, definitely. Yes. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. I was at my local convenience store, you know, when this thing uh, first started uh, happening, I guess it was a little bit before that. And, you know, seeing the person who was there handling all sorts of cash and just leaning and, and right into everybody. It seems like uh, those folks are definitely at risk. So thank you, Paul. Any of the other resellers, can you weigh in in terms of uh, steps that you're taking with your, your merchants or things you're doing to, to shore up your business? Jim, this is Steve Silberman with MPI Point of Sale. Hey, Steve, welcome, you have the floor. Thank you, I'll share a few of the things that we've done recently. We, uh, we focus primarily on small retail and restaurants. As you can imagine, they've been hit pretty hard. For our retail businesses, we have adopted e-commerce solutions um, and we're offering assistance with building out Shopify websites that integrate with a lot of different POS systems, including Vend, who is uh, the main one that we offer. We've also been we've also been selling a lot of, as you can imagine, contactless payment devices, mobile devices for taking credit cards without having to, to touch and um, and setting up online ordering systems uh, through for the restaurants through menu drive um, which I think was shared on that list it integrates with many different POS systems again not selling it um, happy to make any introductions if anybody listening is uh, reselling dinerware or digital dining ordix clover, Lavu, Speedline, and R Power. Those uh, all integrate with Menu Drive, and that has been how restaurants are staying afloat because they, of course, can't have dine-in. Um, those are the the primary things that we've been operating with, which were selling billable hours to assist customers getting these things set up quickly, and um, and contactless devices. Uh, thank you, uh, Steve. Can uh, if I can ask, how are you? I mean, it sounds weird to say marketing 
during a, <laughs> uh, a time of crisis. But like, how are you doing that in a tasteful manner? Um, you know, talking with your customers, trying to sell them something, but it's something that they need. And also they're, you know, not in a, you know, opportunity to spend a whole bunch of money right now. Can you talk about how those conversations are going, if you have insight into that? Well said. And um, the short answer is very carefully. <laughs> okay. We, uh, we care about our customers. We tell them, of course, and I hope that's that's how everyone's messaging. We are we don't use fear tactics or scare tactics. We and I have advised my entire team to not sell hard. It's not a time to be forcing customers to spend money. But if they're looking for value and looking for certain things to stay afloat, we have some solutions that they can do in the short term. We're uh, limiting or removing contracts to make sure that when this crisis is over, they can be canceled so they can go back to business as usual. And that way they're not tied in. Um, everything we can do, we're leveraging our partners who are offering some special pricing. Uh, but you're right. It's, uh, it is not a time to be capitalizing and overcharging customers by using fear sales tactics. It's more about creating trust and um, providing information. We've shared several of the resources that the RSPA has shared with us. Uh, we've also shared information for our local businesses that are needing SBA loans or uh, even you know, food drive areas and places where if their employees are not able to work where they can get assistance. That's, uh, that's the role that we're taking. And it, as you can imagine, um, it is working because customers have always trusted us, but now we are taking the high road and then they're coming back to us. But um, the way we're marketing is using constant contact. And then of course, telephone calls and emails uh, to our, our top customers first. And then we're going down the list um to make sure that everybody gets assistance as soon as possible got it thank you then i can say in the conversations that the rspa team has been having with our members we're really finding that um it's very effective picking up the phone now um to communicate with people to really understand what they need and then also part of what they need is as uh, steve alluded to it's uh, time to act uh to make sure you're leading as a human being and seeing how they're doing uh, individually uh, as a person first and how their family is before you really get down to business if if they're able to do it. So uh, again, a lot of folks are picking up the phone just to see how they're doing and seeing how, how they can help. So thank you. I appreciate that, Steve. Any of the other resellers want to weigh in um, in terms of uh, creative things that they're doing, engagements they're having with their merchants? Jim, this is Bob Bauer again. Um, specifically in hospitality, um, you know, we we work with the folks from Par and Focus and Squirrel, and pretty much every vendor in in that space is running some type of a promotion, where for 60 to 90 days payments are suspended for online ordering, delivery, and the tools that you need to migrate from a premise restaurant uh, to a takeout or delivery model or web ordering. Um, and most of them have said that when this, you know, the urgent time is over here, which most expect to be in the next 60 to 90 days, that if you if you wanna keep the product, you can pay for it and keep it. But if you don't wanna do that, and we've actually found several people uh, receptive uh, to those conversations. And we've done that through email and direct phone calls. Uh, again, the person-to-person -person touch. Um, but what we're finding is, is to this point, there's really been um, mixed success with the restaurateurs because if, if that was never really a core piece of your business, it's a real struggle to try to to migrate it. And we're seeing, you know, restaurants that are doing maybe 10% of the volume that they did when they were open. And they still end up closing because they can't build a takeout online ordering presence adequately uh, to supplement the incomes they need. Got it. And if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll ask you a question and feel free to tell me. I'm not sharing this in a public forum, but um, if your merchants are doing only 10% of the volume and 
resellers get a lot of their revenue from the credit card swipes and some of these fees are being waived. Can you talk about how are you measuring this from a financial impact? And I guess I also feel comfortable asking you because I know that you are very close to your finances, right? You don't just, you're not a laissez-faire uh, business manager. Can you talk about how you're making decisions and how you're tracking all that information in, in such an uncertain time? Because it's great to be magnanimous to your merchants, but if it's going to put you out of business, um, you've got to be able to measure that. Do you mind sharing uh, how you're keeping track of that and maybe adjustments you're making? Yeah. So, I mean, in the big picture, uh, you know, we expect, uh, in our case, we can, again, because we're in all three verticals, um, we expect our credit reg residuals to probably take a 50 to 60% hit uh, overall. Uh, that's our estimates right now from, from looking back at prior data. Uh, we've had, we have several vendors uh, that we do SaaS uh, on the software side, and many of those have waived the fees for the next 60 days. Uh, and if the vendor has waived the fees, we have waived the fees uh, with our customer, uh, as well as our support. Uh, and we've also uh, basically helped people to migrate to online uh, and delivery if they didn't have it. And we have covered all of that um, as part of their software support agreement and not build them. Um, which has been very good. I mean, to us, the key is always long-term uh, and that's how uh, we look at it. And uh, we, we have done the last few years, as you know, have really been pretty phenomenal in our industry for business. And, um, you know, we came into this uh, with adequate uh, cash reserves so that, you know, we could not have any revenue for 10 months zero hmm. got it thank you for that I, I i appreciate you sharing those details um any other resellers want to weigh in just before i turn it open to anybody else of the other 38 folks who are who are on this hey. call any other resellers want to weigh in hey jim hunter allen from Servion systems i'll just um share a data point that uh, we constructed this morning within our business um we took a, a segment of uh, um, our, uh, our uh, typical customer is an independently owned uh, table service restaurant. And so within one of the segments that we have some easy visibility into that, um, we um, uh, have identified that um, we're, we're really um, at the full closure, we're coming up uh, to the end of the first week of the full closure, although some of the territories that we work in had some partial impact last week but we're already at the point where 45% of our install bases, uh, what we deem as uh, closed or not operating. Um, and so of the 55% that remains operating, they remain in a, a minimal capacity as well. So we really are preparing for this to be a, a very significant um, uh, impact from the revenue side on our business. Wow. Uh, yeah, putting in those numbers, if 45% have gone to zero and 55% are a fraction. So what do you, what do you do? I mean, I mean, I'm, I guess emotionally, what do you do uh, <laughs> is one question. And then, what do you do from a, as a business owner, if you don't mind asking, if you don't mind me asking, Hunter? Well, so there are two pieces. So um, the the first note that I would um, say is that. Um, while we're at a 45% closure rate today, we think that number is going to go up and go up probably significantly in the next week. As some of the prior people have mentioned, some people are trying to do um, some delivery and some takeout style of business, but uh, we see some that are starting to realize that's not uh, viable for them. So we, uh, you know, we would expect that we're going to get to a 75% closure rate probably by the end of next week. Um, so uh, in, internally, um, the biggest challenge that we have is uh, trying to evaluate the governmental programs that are starting to become available for the support of businesses and our employees. We're trying to determine um, what is the most effective way to enable uh, both us as a company and those employ individual employees to take advantage of those support programs that are out there. And I'll give you an example. As we construct our 
schedule for next week, we're starting to think that uh, as opposed to taking our entire staff and reducing their hours, uh, it is better to furlough some people and allow them to fully take advantage of unemployment and supplemental unemployment programs that are available and keep the people on as close to full time as we can. Um, and so that's, a, you know, that's my one ask at the RSPA level is that starting to figure out how those programs can be leveraged by our community, I think is incredibly important. I, I, I would say then additionally on the personal level, we uh, are set up to work remotely, but we work really hard to uh, be on a camera talking to people on a daily basis because just that kind of connection uh, we feel is very important to helping people get through this. Got it. Very well said. Yes, uh, the personal connection, you've got to lead with that. You have to make that uh, connection nowadays. And then as far as the list of programs uh, on the roundtable yesterday, we had some folks email some links to us. Uh, we have some uh, of our vendor distributor partners who have some resources as well, and they are sharing those, and we're going to put that together in a resource, and you'll be able to find that, again, on the RSPA website, gorspa.org. So, Hunter, thank you very much for that. All right, we have about 10 minutes left. I'll open it up to the rest of the group and anybody else uh, who wants to weigh in. Just want to make sure we got the reseller perspective there. So anybody else who wants to jump in and address, again, any one of the topics about uh, talking, you know, actions with merchants, uh, actions to show up your business with employees, uh, resources as well. Yes, um, this is Kevin. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, if we can have uh, Kevin first and then Mark Fraker, please. Yes, uh, thank you. Yeah, this is uh, Kevin Dorval from Spacefold. Um, we are a POS mounting solutions company, and what we've been able to do as a recent, um, we have a, a, a device that's for curbside service. Um, it was a drive-through solution, which was something that we launched before, but wasn't really a main solution. But now with the current situation, we notice a huge trend on curbside service and social distancing. So we are working on a campaign right now to cater to that market. And we're, you know, pitching it to our bars and resellers. So that's what we've been doing here. And um, to answer the work from home situation, half our staff is working from home while the other staff just to give more space in the office is working um, from within the office. Those who have to be in the office work from the office. Those who can work from home work from home until further notice. Got it. Thank you. And so you're essentially following, hey, we have this whole line of products, but we're really focusing on what is needed right now and talking to your resellers about that to make sure they understand it. Because that's what I'm guessing. There's probably a lot of education. If there wasn't a lot of demand or as much demand before, that the resellers might not know about it. Um, is that, I guess, a key step here that, you know, the vendors can play a role of helping educate on some of these products that are out there so then the resellers can go resell them. Am I understanding that correctly, Kevin? Yes, you're 100% correct. Got it. Thank you. Well, uh, appreciate you weighing in. Uh, Mark Fraker from Blue Star. Thanks, Jim. Um, just a couple of things. I think, you know, Blue Star being a, a global distributor, you know, we saw what happened over in Europe first. and <clears throat> So Bob and Hunter both alluded that, you know, it's probably gonna get worse before it gets better. We agree with that. So a couple of things that we've done is uh, there are documents up on uh, bluestarinc.com under our COVID-19 essential business documents that you can download, uh, the, the resellers can download as a Word doc and click on them and put in the appropriate information and produce a document that would uh, uh, be used to deem them as essential businesses to be sent out to any of the politicians and agencies in their area is just starting to tighten down. The, there's another one up there actually to do the same thing and then print these off for your employees to carry with them as they're out providing services and such. One of the things that's starting to happen, and I'm sure some of you are very aware of this, are the embargoes that are being done by counties, uh, you know, in California, um, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, New York, and such, where, you know, there isn't any 
Federal Express, uh, UPS, PTLs, LTL trucks going into those areas, um, it's all stopped and we're going to see more and more of this. So these documents could possibly help out. And the second thing that we are seeing a trend with is uh, what we call our hybrid SaaS, where uh, the resellers are allowed to take hardware, software, and put it in a full subscription model. And if they would like, receive all of the money up front as opposed to over the length of the contract, be it three, four, five years. The request from our resellers using that has stepped up uh, over the last few weeks as people become um, more in tune with going out and putting something out that... Uh, a very small rate over uh, the reoccurring revenue subscription business model. Got it. Thank you, Mark. If I can ask about that last point in particular, because uh, I was talking to a couple of my RSP teammates this morning, and uh, because we've heard a lot of questions about financial solutions, how quickly can those finance companies that you work with or other finance companies that you know of, how quickly are they able to turn things around and give somebody financing for a project or just uh, financing in general uh, for these things? Is it, a, is it a fast process or folks thinking, boy, you probably should have done this three weeks ago? Uh, is it an opportunity for no. bars and ISVs to get financing? Uh, to build it into an in-a-box bundle about one day and for the turnaround on credit with the end users is 24 hours. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say between 24 and 48 hours, and this is good in North America, Canada as well. Got it. Okay, hey, thank you. Jim. Yeah, if you could send those links to me, that, that'd be fantastic. Hey, yes, Jim. I will. Jim, uh, it's Michelle here, if I can kick in. Yeah, Michelle from Blue Star Canada. Yeah, please. Good morning. Uh, so as uh, I guess uh, some of you know, uh, it's uh, been a little bit more tighter in uh, Canada. Uh, they've uh, shut down 75% uh, of the... Uh, of the country uh, already. So what uh, I guess a couple of uh, couple of things that we're observing in the country. Uh, obviously, this is trigger has triggered the uh, status quo uh, challenge that we've been talking for for a number of years. Uh, status quo not being an option, but it's it's accelerating it. So I guess the visibility we got uh, today is. Um, and Paul alluded to this. Uh, I think uh, the uh, community, the channel, have got to think uh, more and more above and beyond what they're offering. And they've got to go to the merchants and the business owners because these guys are addressing the crisis on a daily basis. Um, and they're probably, uh, they've got their head in the water. So, um, I think going to them and the marketing of today, uh, especially in Canada, is absolutely reaches. Um, you got to reach out to them uh, and try to predict what is going to be coming because the world is changing. Uh, being restaurants, logistics, being retail or anything, this is 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 changing very very rapidly. So. I was with a number of vendors this week that are seeing and trying to observe what is the next wave, what is it going to be, what what product should we stock, uh, and so on and so forth. And I think the only way we could achieve this is is going to the merchants, the people that we are intimate with, and try to see how their reality is changing as time goes uh, by. And I think it's the only way to, uh, I think, get out of this. Um, sitting and waiting till the uh, storm goes through, uh, I think, is very dangerous. Uh, we've got to more than ever think out of the box, think OPEX instead of CAPEX, uh, think creatively. Um, I know in the last couple of uh, days, I've extended terms. Uh, to, uh, to to partners uh, to a point that I've never done before. But with the reality that's going on, I think if we've got a commitment from the end user customer, uh, there's always possibilities. But I, you know, to close, I think, um, and it was part of some of your articles that you've, uh, you've published in the last couple of days, 
we have to have a plan and we've got to execute on a plan just sitting and waiting till the uh, the storm passes uh, is not an option uh, well said yeah this is not a time to just hunker down and look at your watch and say i hope this ends soon this is a time for action and that is something that as we talk with leading resellers and software developers that's what they're doing i think that's a lot of what you've you've heard on this call and i'm glad to have some uh we have a few of our canadian members on this call today and uh if you look on our covid 19 crisis resource center uh paula duke put together a vars guide to canada's economic response plan really comprehensive about all the options out there and so we're looking to put one together for our our u.s members as well uh so appreciate paul doing that appreciate you weighing in michelle um, maybe have time for one more person before we uh, wrap yeah. things up. Is there one more person who uh, would like to weigh in, please? Jim, this is David Gossman at HP. Um, it's a bit of a doubling down of what Erica said earlier, but um, I just sent you the link also for the cleaning guidance that HP has for not just our equipment, but really electronic equipment. And I think that there's a few different ways to use that information. You know, one, sharing it with resellers so they can share it with their customers out there of you know the proper way to clean your equipment one to keep people safe and, and not spread the you know COVID-19 you know as they try to clean their equipment but also if you clean your equipment improperly you could potentially damage your equipment and we're in a situation here um everybody where a lot of especially grocers and other stores and, and takeout restaurants need that equipment to be functional uh, at a much higher rate of success than is typical based on the load of the volume they're putting through those machines. So if you clean them improperly, you could actually damage them or take them offline if you use the wrong chemicals or whatever it may be. Um, so one, it's important that people understand that for the health and safety. Uh, two, it's important they understand for you know the longevity of their equipment, especially when it might be a little bit harder to get service right now from, from some folks. Um, and three, it also positions the reseller as you know a thought uh, a thought leader within the industry of showing them, hey, you know, you're going through tough times, but we are a stable company here that is here to share information to help you do business uh, when you need us and when you don't. And obviously in these times they're needed. So I think it's a really good point to double down on. Great point. And so part of what David's saying is, you know, we talked earlier about selling new products and offering new products to your merchants. This is a huge time to offer information to them as well. Like you just said about how to clean things the right way. So um, be uh, be that trusted advisor. Uh, don't just have a sales hat on. Make sure you're giving guidance um, to your merchants to help them stay up and, and keep moving forward. So, well, I, so thank you everybody for uh, sharing that data. Uh, a lot of good information for us to, to process through. I want to uh, have one last point to leave you with and make sure that all our listeners and everybody on this roundtable is taking action uh, as Michelle just said, and, and looking in these four areas. So this is from uh, McKinsey and Company. Uh, what I'm about to share with you is sent to me by an RSPA member. If you want to get the full report on uh, their COVID-19 coverage, go to McKinsey.com. And so I read this report. I read that report, and what really jumped out to me are four areas to take action in. You can't just be busy in one area. You've got to address these four. The first is your employees. You have to protect them and give them a sense of shared purpose, right? We're in a battle um, against this uh, virus, and you can really, as a provider, uh, keep a lot of businesses alive and keep uh, a lot of folks up and running. But again, you've got to make sure you take care of your employees first and protect them. Uh, two is stress test your financials. We heard a little bit about that during uh, this roundtable as well. Don't just say, well, here's what I think is going to happen. If things are bad for a few weeks, here's how I'm going to be able to respond. Think about a worst case scenario. And then think about a step beyond what you think is the worst case scenario. And are you prepared for that? And what would you do? Uh, it's better to take action now and save the business as opposed to just crossing your fingers and hoping things uh, will pass you by. Uh, the third point is to stabilize your supply chain. We talked a lot on this call about uh, vendors, ISVs, VARs, communicating with each other and working together, make sure you're able to get those products that you can deliver to your merchants and turn them around quickly. So you've got to talk with your employees. You've got to figure your financials. You have to talk with your vendors. And then last, as we uh, touched on a lot today, engage your customers. And as we said, it's, it's very important for you to be there for them during this time of need and reaching out to them. Can't do a lot of face-to-face -face now, 
obviously, uh, except with your technicians and you have to protect them. Uh, but you need to make sure you're on the phone or on video conference with those customers with a simple question of how can I help? So again, those four areas to take action in, you can't ignore any one of these. You can't just be only taking care of your customers. It's gotta be protecting your employees and giving them a sense of purpose, stress testing your financials, stabilizing your supply chain, and engaging your customers. Uh, and then before we go, uh, because we're just about out of time, um, just some quick reminders about the RSPA's COVID-19 services. Again, legal counsel Bob Goldberg uh, is available for you for unlimited phone and email conversations for members, there's no charge for that. Uh, we also have GMS, uh, again, group management services that provide HR services that you can outsource to and give you some guidance during these turbulent times. And again, remember to visit GoRSPA.org to find the COVID-19 crisis resource page. Uh, and then also our RSPA Restaurant Rescue uh, Resource Center as well. You can access all of that from the RSPA homepage uh, as well. And then finally, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. Before we go, thanks again to the RSPA community for sharing their wisdom today. Really appreciate everyone weighing in and sharing so many specifics. Thanks also to RSPA Marcom Manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening. Stay well and goodbye, everybody.